What do you need to do with your Vikings running backs on Monday night? How should you treat the Bucks passing offense in Week 16? And what do you need to know before you submit those championship lineups this weekend? Plus, the 2019 Football Guys Players Championship leader, Abib Abgut, I knew I was going to butcher this, Agbatova is here to co-host the show with me as we talk Juju Schmidt, and I can't talk at all, Juju Smith-Schuster, Will Greer, Carrion Johnson, and much more, much easier names to pronounce. We've got a great show for you, I promise. Abib Agbatova is here. I'm Eric Falkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. everybody. Your reps and I'm on the mic and premieres on the break. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Thanks a lot, Rob, and early Merry Christmas to you, my friend. Greetings and salutations to all of the Balkaholics and Gerzaknatics tuning in tonight. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I am, of course, your slightly above-average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is normally the patron saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak. However, tonight we have a very special co-host. He had three teams in the 2018 FPC after having one league he's been in playing for for 15 years with college friends that got him started. Obviously, when you spend so much time researching and prepping for that league, it only made sense to branch out and put that work elsewhere, or that that, uh, info to work elsewhere. Uh, This year, in the 2019 version of the Football Guys Players Championship, he had 15 teams and fortunate enough to have 12 of those 15 make the playoffs. One of those teams is on top of the other 8,399 other squads with just one week to go before the $250,000 grand prize will be awarded. Please welcome in my co-host for the evening, Abib Agbatoba. Abib, season's greetings to you, my friend, and thanks so much for hopping aboard tonight, man. Yeah, thank you, Eric. Thanks for having me. This is, uh, this is rarefied air because we normally don't have the leader of a national contest the week of week 16, uh, and, and I'm sure there, there's some nervousness on your part. There's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of anticipation on your part. How are you feeling right now? I'm uh, feeling actually pretty good. Uh, definitely uh, quite a bit of uh, nervousness, anticipation. Uh, kind of at sometimes it you know, wish you could fast forward through the weekend and just, uh, you know, see the final results, but uh, we'll just try to approach it like any other week and uh, see what happens. Yeah, I, I was just going to say that because I think if I was in a similar situation, I'd be I'd be very excited to see what happens. But I'd also there's probably points this week you're like, oh, just get it over with already. You know, just move on. I want to know if if, if I'm going to come out on top. I want to know how close I'm going to come right now. But I, I think it's going to be an enjoyable weekend, a stressful weekend, but but hopefully an enjoyable one for you as well. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and and funny, funny story is that I had no clue that I was atop the leaderboard until uh, you actually reached out to me, and I was kind of questioning. I was like, why, you know, <laughs> why would they want me to to co-host a podcast? And uh, <laughs> so I went through I went through a couple of my teams and noticed that uh, one of my teams was uh, constantly showing up on the leaderboard and realized that oh, that's because uh, I'm you know atop the leaderboard. So. Uh, so yeah, uh, definitely, uh, you know, very, very pleasant surprise and, uh, yeah, very, very fortunate, uh, to kind of be in that position. So we will, we'll definitely see where it takes me. And we're going to talk all about it tonight over the course of the next hour plus shout out to the chat room right now. It's already hopping in there. Feel free to post any questions you guys might have in there. Uh, if you want to connect with us on Twitter, uh, the show is at HSFF hour. I'm at Eric Balkman, facebook.com slash HSFF hours where to reach us there. And of course, if you want to give us a buzz and talk with me or Abib tonight, three, four, seven, four, two, six, 36, 82. That's three, four, seven game over high stakes, fantasy football at gmail.com is where you can reach us. Our producer and mutual friend, Rob, my best friend and audio engineer Bryce will definitely get those questions to us uh, coming up later on in the fantasy feedback portion of the show. I want to remind everybody that if you have not signed up for the FFPC playoff challenge, you can do that right now at myffpc.com. This year, for the first time ever, an industry record $500,000 grand prize, just $200 to enter that. And of course, the Football Guys Playoff Challenge, the inaugural FPC, $100,000 grand prize at just $35 an entry there. You can import your lineups pretty easily uh, on all those. Once the playoff teams have been announced, you can start assembling your teams in minutes. Very, very difficult to master. Very, very easy to put those lineups together. Rotoviz.com slash podcast this week. You can hear from Aaron McGarian, who I uh, ended up speaking with. He's in 13th place in the FFPC main event right now. A lot of good stuff in there about setting championship lineups and, and sort of how he built his team and got to this position. A uh, little bit of a longer podcast, too, than we normally do. But there's, uh, it was fun. It was enjoyable. You can check that out at Rotoviz.com slash podcast, Apple Podcasts, and, of course, the Blue Wire Podcasting Network. Uh, Abib, let's uh, talk a little bit about you when you are not playing fantasy football and not realizing you're leading the entire Football Guys Players Championship. What are you doing for a living? Uh, so I'm actually treating patients. Uh, I'm actually a physician by day, uh, ear, nose, and throat. Uh, uh, I'm specialized in uh, endoscopic sinus surgery and uh, skull base surgery. So uh, that kind of keeps me pretty busy. Uh, so it's kind of nice around this time of year when I'm busy with that and not having to uh, – uh, you know, get too nervous about uh, about being number one, I guess, overall in this player's championship. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, you you have other people that uh, that that are depending upon you at this point, and uh, and and bigger fish to fry, as it were. So, do you get so when you're drafting these teams, and and I noticed you had, I think you had a handful of teams that you drafted at the end of August, but by and large your teams that you had drafted in the FPC were either in the first week of August or like the last couple of weeks of July, which I don't necessarily consider early per se, but, but it is, you know, not, not peak drafting season. Then is that sort of your wheelhouse? Is that when you normally like to draft teams in, in this competition is sort of the end of July, early August? Uh, you know, it, to be honest, in years prior, I uh, really only uh, drafted a few teams. This is sort of kind of the first year where I kind of went all in or drafted uh you know, double-digit teams. And, I mean, in retrospect, I, I learned that, uh, at least for me, I felt uh, drafting early on uh, and then drafting later on seemed to be sort of kind of the best pockets where I felt like I was really able to uh, get the best value in terms of draft picks. And uh, I think early on before, you know, there's sort of kind of a groupthink mentality before uh, everyone sort of kind of developed their draft plan. 
Uh, you can, you know, hopefully if you're, you're follow during, following uh, the NFL during the off season, uh, you, you, you're able to get sort of kind of a jump on things before most people are able to really dive in and delve into some uh, research. And then later on, I think it's, you know, I think it's um, probably a combination of just having a lot of, you know, uh, more novice, not to say that I'm not a novice, but, you know, more people who are a little bit newer to the Players' Championship, really trying to get in some teams before the season starts. So uh, I noticed that uh, the drafts tend to be a little bit more unorthodox and didn't necessarily follow, uh, you know, the drafts that kind of happen in between uh, as far as, uh, you know, I don't know, just uh, what am I trying to say? But as far as uh, just, well, the, you know, go ahead. Sorry. The, I, I, well, I, I, and I don't know if this is what you're trying to say, but I can tell you that I think – the ADP um, early on is, is sort of, I don't want to say it's formulaic or, or cemented in, but it's a lot more rigid. Uh, things definitely open up towards uh, the, end of, um, the end of August, and, and you get, like you said, some people who maybe haven't drafted a team yet uh, this season and it's their first one. It's very, very difficult to put player valuation um, in those drafts because the, 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 the fluctuation of players could be, you know, two or three rounds apart in some cases, depending upon the draft, where absolutely. you really don't see that in like in like June or something like that. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Abib, um, let me ask you this. Uh, I don't know if this was not – this team that, that is in first place right now in the FPC, you drafted it on July 28th. I don't believe it was your first FPC. I think you drafted some ones before that. And I'm not also not sure if this was the first one you drafted from the 12 spot. You but you're picking 12th in this draft. When you knew that you were going to be you had the last pick of the first round, did you have any particular strategy going in of how you were going to lay the foundation for for building this squad early on, being that you were picking at the very end of the first round? Yeah, I mean, I try not to go in with any uh, rigid uh, uh, strategy in terms of going wide receiver, wide receiver, running back, running back. Uh, and, you know, really what I try to do is, uh, if possible, uh, draft the best player available. Uh, but uh, I think in this particular draft, uh, I went wide receiver, wide receiver uh, with Julio and Michael Thomas, and they just happened to be, you know, my top two or three wide receivers uh, and felt like that was the best move in this particular draft. Uh, this year, I just I didn't have really a good beat on the uh, running backs. You know, er, you know, early in the draft, uh, I was very high on Zeke and, and high on CMC. Uh, not so high on Kamara. I basically had zero Kamara shares across the board. Uh, just felt like uh, him being able to produce uh, at the TD rate he did last year uh, was potentially unsustainable. Uh, and didn't have a lot of uh, Saquon uh, just because uh, the unknown behind the quarterback situation, the uh, you know new offensive scheme. Uh, although they had some improvement in the O-line, I just wasn't quite sure. A lot of his runs kind of came uh, in big chunks, and I just wanted something that was a little bit more stable. So, you know, the running backs to follow, uh, there were just so many question marks, uh, and it was really hard to determine which one was actually going to provide you RB1 value. You know, I would have loved, obviously, to have uh, more Cook, uh, but uh, I had him last year, and I think just personal bias and all the injuries that we had to deal with, and, you know, their O-line last year was uh, just in terrible shape. Uh, there was just something that couldn't get me over that mental hurdle, so I didn't have as many shares as, him as I would like. So um, the kind of natural decision was just to take, you know, 
two of the top receivers that were that I would just happen to be high on uh, this year, and uh, and you know was fortunate enough, obviously, to have Michael Thomas carried me throughout the uh, season. Well, and and another guy that carried you throughout the season was Lamar Jackson, uh, who you had drafted as your backup quarterback in round 14 of this draft. Now, I'm guilty of it, too. I let him slip in drafts. I did get him in a lot of spots this yeah. year, so I was really happy about it. But uh, I did let him slip much further, obviously, than he should have given his output this year. What do you think high-stakes drafters missed on w- with this guy? Why did we let Lamar Jackson slip? I know he's a quarterback, and quarterbacks typically do slip yeah. a little bit. But why did we let him slip so far in drafts this year? What did we miss on him? Uh, and I kind of go back to this a lot. I think the groove think mentality was, you know, everyone was sort of trying to look for the new Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you had a small camp that was in favor of drafting him early. Uh, you know, potentially we looked at Deshaun Watson, but he was going in the fourth and fifth round pretty early as well. But I think everyone kind of put their uh, eyes on Kyler Murray as that new potential Patrick Mahomes. And so, and I was a fan of Kyler Murray, but I was not a fan of where he was going. I didn't see the real value in how high he was going in drafts. And so, you know, my whole uh, approach to drafting quarterbacks uh, is really trying to get the guy who can do it both through the air and on the ground. I feel like it provides you a stable enough floor, but then also provides you some very, very high upside. So I tend to have uh, quite a bit or I had a, a, a large share of, both uh, Lamar Jackson and uh, and Cam uh, throughout, you know, all fantasy uh, formats. So, uh, obviously, I didn't see or foresee this happening in terms of him exploding the way he did. Uh, but there uh, were a number of different articles that I sort of kind of read through where uh, you could see the potential for that. And the floor seemed very high, giving uh, the potential for a 1,000-yard, you know, rushing season or at the very least 700 and, and what he could do through uh, through the air. Uh, and a big thing for me, too, was the uh, coaching change, uh, the new OC, knowing that that OC had been in San Francisco um, uh, and was able to do uh, what he did for uh, uh, Kaepernick during uh, a time period where he was, uh, you know, putting up, you know, maybe not as good a stats, but uh, close to it. And, and so I sort of kind of saw that and Obviously, with him going so late in drafts, it just seemed like the uh, obvious choice that this could potentially uh, be a steal. Um, so I didn't rely on just drafting him. I wanted to get two, uh, and in some cases three, if I wasn't comfortable with my uh, QB2, just to make sure that I, I had that position that really provides you the most points from week to week locked up. So that's sort of kind of my approach uh, with uh, Lamar and, and, and drafting QBs in general. Abib Agbatoba, the leader in the 2019 uh, uh, Football Guys Players Championship in uh, Week 15, uh, joining here, uh, joining us on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour tonight, co-hosting with me, Dave Gerzak, should mention, has the week off. You jumped on the waiver wire quickly uh, in this league uh, this year, Abib. Terry McLaurin, DJ Chark, you acquired both of them. Both of them uh, are fairly young guys, uh, unproven guys. They don't play on high-volume pass offenses. What did you sort of see in, in, in McLaurin and Chark? that uh, knew you wanted to get them. Were you aggressive on the, on these guys, or did you just happen to put a, you know, price enforcement type bid on these guys and you ended up getting them? How did, how did you acquire them and, and why did you want to make sure you got them? Yeah. Uh, so Terry McLaurin, uh, I have to be honest. Uh, so during the off season, uh, I, you know, spent a, a, most of my research discussing and debating with a, with a close friend of mine, uh, Dr. Dale Adesay, I have to throw his name out there. 
And uh, we spent a lot of time kind of going back and forth on certain players, and it really kind of shaped uh, who ended up in my draft pool. And at the very end, or close towards the uh, end of draft season, he had mentioned this player, Terry McLaurin. And I've never seen any tapes on him. I'd never watched him in college. Uh, but he had brought him up as potentially being the number one guy, kind of that guy that kind of comes out of nowhere, uh, just because, you know, he's in a, I guess, a, you know, he's playing with the Redskins, which obviously weren't getting much uh, pub uh, during the off season and had kind of a shaky or questionable QB situation. So, you know, after kind of seeing him after that first week, I felt like uh, it was a good time to pounce with the uh, potential of, you know, getting a team's number one uh, a wide receiver in such a deep format league. Uh, and then when it came to DJ Chark, uh, that was definitely more of a guess <laughs> than anything else, to be honest. I didn't really necessarily buy into uh, Westbrook as the number one guy. Not saying that I was against that, but I felt like there were so many different variables. Uh, you know, new uh, new quarterback, uh, sort of kind of a new offensive scheme, uh, a number of uh, new wide receivers with Conley coming in, and they had a lot of young guys. And I think Marquise Lee was also in the conversation, so. I think a lot of people were high on Westbrook, and maybe rightfully so, but I didn't want to spend that type of draft capital on him. And then obviously after seeing him kind of go off in uh, KC, uh, I thought, you know, uh, again, you have the potential to have a team's number one wide receiver. And no matter the situation, uh, you know, if I have the opportunity to pick up uh, a number one wideout for a team, I want to have that uh, person on my team because you never know during any given week uh, against, uh, you know, a you know, uh, a tasty matchup, uh, you might plug that, uh, that person in your lineup and, uh, and they may explode. So. Yep. Well, sometimes guesses work out and you need those uh, to get to the yeah. top of, yeah. you know, 8,000 plus other teams. So it certainly worked out. Um, I, I think a lot of things have worked out on this team. I was actually looking at your roster, um, prior to the show. And I, I really, I mean, this is a very deep team. It is a very talented team. You, you know, so a lot of times when we get to this level um, in the championship round, we'll, we'll talk to guests and, and they'll have maybe one tough lineup decision, maybe two, um, because it's very difficult to build loaded rosters, to build uh, a 20 team or a 20 player team where you have several decisions. You do have several decisions. I mean, there, there, there are a lot of great players on this team with great matchups. What are the toughest ones that you're looking at here for week 16 as you, as you try to figure out which 10 are going to be submitted? Uh, definitely, uh, you know, have a number of wide receivers between Julio, Michael Thomas, um, DJ Chark, like you mentioned, Terry McLaurin, uh, Allen Robinson, Golden Tate, John Brown. Uh, so week to week, it was, it was definitely tough. Uh, I tried, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily, um, agree with the starter studs, but there are certain studs where you are obviously clearly going to start them regardless of the matchup, such as like Michael Thomas and Julio Jones. But the rest, uh, you know, kind of just made the decision based off of uh, matchup and, uh, you know, and a couple of other things that, uh, you know, were obviously pertinent, such as uh, Terry McLaurin's QB situation, having a young QB in early on. For the most part, I was, you know, he's, he's spent a lot of time on the bench. Uh, Golden Tate, his QB situation, he spent a lot of time on the bench. So those, those decisions have been a, a little bit easier uh, to make. Uh, this week, it's definitely going to be tough uh, deciding, uh, aside from Julio and Michael Thomas, uh, which other uh, wide receivers are going to uh, crack the lineup. 
I really, really like uh, Terry McLaurin's uh, matchup this week. Uh, the Jets' uh, backfield, uh, defensive backfield, is, is really beat up. Uh, and we may be seeing Haskins getting a little bit more comfortable. Uh, throughout the entire season, we've always kind of heard the narrative of uh, these two sort of kind of having chemistry because of their work in college and had never really see it kind of come to fruition until uh, the last few weeks. So uh, so he's definitely, you know, uh, in, in contention. Uh, DJ Chark, you know, faces Atlanta, and Atlanta seems to be uh, Jekyll and Hyde when it comes to their defense, so uh, who knows. And then Allen Robinson, you would think, against KC is a great matchup, but, uh, you know, based on the numbers, that you know, KC has been uh, somehow pretty stout against uh, holding uh, wide receivers down. So, so definitely some uh, decisions to make there. Uh, and then, uh, in addition, my flex, Kenyon Drake, which is uh, – Definitely the running back who kind of, uh, I would assume, propelled me to this number one position. Last week was a tough decision in terms of deciding uh, to start him. And and really just kind of came down to looking at uh, Arizona's uh, schedule over the last few weeks and noticing that they had faced uh, some really, really tough defenses. Uh, I'd seen kind of Cleveland as this team on the decline and sort of kind of losing identity. Uh, there was a lot of, you know, just sort of kind of chitter-chatter around the team and felt like them going away would be, a, you know, a nice opportunity for the uh, Arizona offense uh, to sort of kind of take flight. He had been seeing uh, 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 quite the volume of carries, uh, but just hadn't uh, had a chance to break through. And so, I, you know, thought that took a chance and thought that this may be a, a week where I could get a touchdown out of him, maybe 70, you know, yards on the ground and a few catches. And obviously he was able to do a lot more than that. Uh, and lastly, uh, one of my biggest decisions I think is going to come down to my tight end. Uh, and this is probably one that's just going to come down to uh, right before, you know, kickoff. And I'm, I'll probably go back and forth multiple times, but trying to decide between Austin Hooper and Jacob Hollister. I mean, we have Hollister who's playing Arizona. We all know what uh, Arizona uh, allows to uh, uh, opposing tight ends uh, this year. Uh, it's a golden matchup. Then we also have Austin Hooper, uh, you know, obviously, you know, we know what he's done uh, this year and had a, a, a very stellar year. And, you know, Atlanta and Matt Ryan, they have very limited uh, options when it comes to the passing game. You know, a lot of guys that uh, Matt Ryan may not necessarily trust, we know he has some trust in Hooper. Uh, so it'll, it'll probably, you know, in the end come down to which one finds the end zone. Uh, but that's going to be a tough decision in itself. Yeah, no, I, you're making a lot of strong cases uh, for, and thankfully, you know, you have some other guys on your team that that have have carried you throughout the season, but they don't have the greatest of matchups this week. You know, Emmanuel Sanders mm-hmm. uh, against the Rams, John Brown, who's at the Patriots this week. I think those guys mm-hmm. are kind of easy uh, easy sits. Excuse me, Matt Breida. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're not going to play him given with what Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert has been doing. So, mm-hmm. so that's good. So some of this will set itself, but. I look at the kicker position. You will not have an easy de- or you will not have a hard decision here because you have <laughs> yeah. one kicker on your squad, Brett yeah. Maher. And I should bring this up for this is a good uh, PSA for yeah. everybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Greg Zerline, if you are looking for yeah. uh, a kicker this week uh, and, and you you have Greg Zerline in your lineup, he's questionable, may not go. And the Rams yeah. did in fact work out one Brett Maher. Yeah. So maybe you'll get lucky and they'll sign him and and he'll be in your lineup. But Abib, what was the strategy? Was your team did you just want to keep that extra depth and, and roll the dice and just keep one kicker? I mean, certainly, Brett Maher hadn't had the greatest of seasons so far, but 
you know, he was not having a good season all, you know, all year. So I, I look at it from the standpoint of like, how, who could have projected that Dallas would choose to cut him? You know, I, I don't know anybody who saw that coming at this point in the season. Take us through the strategy there of, of keeping the one kicker on your roster. Absolutely. I mean, that was just an absolute uh, killer uh, to, you know, and I have probably, you know, I think one or two other teams uh, in this uh, same situation. Uh, you know, when I draft kickers, I draft like most, uh, I draft them towards the end. I'm not necessarily in the camp of wait until the very end to draft your kicker and your uh, defense. You know, I, I kind of know the statistics. I know the randomness of it. But I feel like if you have a good beat uh, on who may be a good defense uh, and you have a good beat on who's going to be in a good offense and may get you more points than usual, I'm not necessarily trying to, you know, pick the uh, number one kicker, but I want to be in that top quarter to give myself sort of kind of an advantage. And that's how I approach defenses too. And this year, uh, you know, whether it was a good strategy or not, uh, for this year it ended up being working well. I drafted two defenses, and I have uh, on quite a few of my teams New England's defense, uh, the Patriots. And, and believe it or not, they, I mean, they, they have carried me uh, quite some way too, so – uh, but, you know, yeah, kind of getting back to the kicker situation, I actually did draft any uh, Brett Mahars. Uh, I drafted a lot of Robbie Goals, and we know that he got injured, so I had to sort of kind of uh, pick up a kicker. And it really just – I was looking at Dallas' schedule, and I kind of like to look for a bend but don't break uh, defense that they'll be going up against. They seem to have quite a few of those on the schedule. And also in game uh, scripts where they were going to have to – you know, not they weren't going to necessarily be able to, you know, take their foot off the pedal. So I – I felt like it was a good situation where, you know, a kicker would, you know, or, you know, these would be um, situations where I get a few field goals and, you know, a few extra points and just kind of have, you know, be stable in a position. Uh, and, and really I probably should have played a little, paid a little bit closer attention to uh, the struggles that he had been having. And that's probably one of the sort of kind of, I guess you maybe you want to call it uh, rookie mistakes is not really evaluating every single position uh, and, you know, kicker is one that we, uh, I think many people, including myself, tend to sort of kind of, you know, uh, uh, place little thought uh, or effort into. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, sometimes you, we, we I, and I'm guilty of it too. I mean, I, I rarely, uh, you know, analyze or look at my kicker situation. I'm, I'm constantly looking at backs and receivers and tight ends, and sometimes we gloss over that. Uh, so it happens. It happens to everybody. You are not the first yeah. person, by the way. You are far from the first person that this has ever happened to uh, as well. So we'll see what happens there. Um, do you, oh, as we're talking with the, uh, with the leader in the Football Guys Players Championship, Abib Agbatoba here on the uh, High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, Eric Balkman coming at you. The championship round, it's, uh, it's upon us. You've set your lineup in there the last two weeks uh, for more than one team. Do you set your lineups differently? Do you, have, do you take a different approach? Do you spend a little bit more time analyzing matchups than you do in the regular season, Abib? Uh, is there more of a, of a nuance uh, to doing it uh, maybe a little bit different way when you get to this point in the season? Uh, I mean, honestly, I just try to approach it, uh, you know, week 16 the, the same way I approached week one uh, with the caveat that obviously we have more information. So you sort of kind of just add uh, new intel, new analysis as you sort of kind of move along. You know, the first week is tough because there's a lot of unknowns. And by week 16, we kind of know, you know, who people are. Uh, so I really approach it the same way in terms of, you know, how I prep uh, for the week. Uh, yeah, oftentimes I'll hear uh, analysts talk about, 
uh, you know, balancing between uh, someone with a high floor and boom bust and things like that. And <clears throat> my approach is just really kind of starting the guy who I think is going to perform the best, not necessarily who has boom bust, boom bust potential, but just who I feel like is going to put up the uh, most fantasy points. And, and that's just, you know, that's kind of the approach I take. I, I try not to really deviate from that uh, too much. Abib, I want to sneak in an email here uh, from Jamie. This is Jamie in Sudbury, Mass. He writes, hi, Abib, have you looked at the teams behind you in the standings as to who they have on their roster compared to who you have before setting your lineup? Good luck in the FPC, man. That's Jamie in Sudbury, Mass. Thank you for the email, Jamie. Abib, I don't know if you've looked at it because you, you are in the driver's seat here, so you have the luxury yeah. of kind of setting the pace a little bit. You know, whatever you want to do, they're chasing you. You're not chasing them. Did you look at, at any of the squads behind you in the standings? I have not. Uh, you know, I've uh, you know told a few close friends, uh, you know, the position that I'm in, and I've had, you know, a couple of them who are in the uh, FFPC and, you know, have looked. Uh, but I think, you know, being in the sort of kind of driver's seat allows me the luxury of just being able to set my team without having to, you know, implement any strategy regarding, you know, do I need to shoot against or upside and things of that nature? You know, maybe if I were, you know, a little bit further down the board and fifth to sixth place, I'd probably look ahead of me to try and see if maybe I can, you know, maybe fit, you know, like an Austin Eckler, who I think is, uh, you know, a common uh, player on many of these teams and, and put something, you know, you know, put another uh, player uh, in that position in hopes that, you know, he has a bad game and, uh, you know, kind of how we approach uh, DFS with contrarian plays. Uh, but, yeah, being in the driver's seat, I think uh, you know, I'm really just going to try to focus on my team, not try to introduce too many uh, uh, variables, uh, and uh, and just, again, take the same approach I've been taking uh, since week one. Yeah, you got you to – I mean, the, the process that got you here is probably the process that you should take um, uh, all the way. And, and I certainly agree with you on that. No question. Um, it makes, uh, for a lot of, cause I mean, <clears throat> if you were to change your process in week 16, uh, and, and you come up short or, or things don't go your way. And then you start questioning, well, why did I switch up what had worked for the first 15 weeks of the season? And, uh, if you do it the same way, you won't be asking yourself that uh, question at all. Uh, Abib, can you give me a player, that you think a lot of high stakes guys are, are going to be starting this weekend in, in championship weekend that you think would be better off actually on their benches. And then a player that will be on a lot of benches in the FFPC uh, this week that you think is actually due for a, a big time week. Uh, I guess uh, one player I'd probably say is maybe Raheem Moser. Uh, I think that situation uh, in San Francisco is pretty volatile. Uh, you know, anytime there are multiple backs, you know, not just two, but potentially three, uh, it really to me seems almost like a hot hand approach. And he's been hot uh, for sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, at some point he's going to cool down and I wouldn't want that to happen in my week 16. So I think he was sort of kind of a hot wave of wire pickup towards the end. And uh, he's probably been able to carry a number of different teams. Uh, I think for me, that's likely a you know, someone who I'm probably sitting. Good stuff there. And I'm curious, yeah. I don't think I asked you this at the top, but, but um, Abib, is there, what are your plans for this weekend? Have you, because we got football all day on Saturday, we got football all day on Sunday, and then, of course, the Monday night game uh, between the Packers and the Vikings. 
Are you planning on watching it? Are you going to spend time with, with family, given that, you know, we got the holidays coming up here uh, shortly, and, and you're just going to kind of take an out-of-sight, out-of-mind approach to it? What, what are your plans? How do, you, how do you feel you're going to be viewing these games this weekend? Balanced. <laughs> this is what I would say, I guess. Uh, I think, you know, yeah, uh, Saturday, you know, I'll probably, you know, be spending time with friends and family. I had some plans initially. Uh, I'm, you know, based out of here in Houston, so I'm definitely a Houston Texans fan. So I'll probably watch that game for sure. And then I'll just kind of just follow the uh, scores on the phone. Uh, and then Sunday will probably, you know, my eyes will probably be glued to the TV. Uh, <laughs> You know, whether or not that'll be at kind of home in the privacy of, you know, my own house uh, or uh, out with friends at a sports bar, uh, I don't necessarily know that just yet. But uh, definitely uh, Sunday uh, will be uh, all about football. And then Monday will be tough. You know, Monday I may just uh, <laughs> may go, you know, try and, you know, get a massage or something while, you know, while the game's on just because I have <laughs> no players left on Monday. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a tough thing to sit there and watch a game where you have no active players and, and, and fantasy points are, uh, you know, uh, you know, being, you know, accruing or accruing. So, so yeah, that, that's probably my plans for the, uh, for the weekend. I remember, and, and obviously we won't have the same thing going on on Monday night, but a couple of years ago, it was two or three years ago, um, the final game of the season was, I want to say it was, I don't think it was in Oakland. I think it was Philly, but it was the Eagles and the Raiders. And there was a lot of people that, you know, had a lot of skin in that game. Uh, Michael Crabtree and, and Alshon Jeffrey and, and, you know, all these different, uh, you know, guys that were drafted fairly high in fantasy. And, and it ended up being the, the people who were, were already up at the top of the leaderboard had already banked their points. Um, they were sweating it quite a bit because uh, they, they just felt like, well, you know, these guys are going to surpass me. But it was terrible weather. <laughs> I can't remember if it was rainy or if it was windy or if it was both. And, the final score is like 13 to six or, or like, you know, 10 to three <laughs> yeah. or so. It was, it was super low scoring. So all those, those, those people who are up at the top of the leaderboard, they never got surpassed because there just wasn't any, I mean, I, I feel like Alshon Jeffrey or Crabtree, they had a zero that week, just nothing. Um, one of them might not even add a target. It was crazy. Uh, so you never know how these things are going to go. It, it's it, fantasy football is weird. It's strange. It's a lot of fun. We'll see what happens on Monday night. I want to go through some uh, NFL news with you as, as we try to uh, help everybody set their lineups properly and give them all the information they can. I want to thank uh, Football Guys, Roto World, and, of course, Rob for tonight's rundown here. I'm going to kick things off with Juju Smith-Schuster. He was able to practice in full not only just Thursday but today as well. He's going up against the Jets this, uh, this week. The Steelers have not scored more than 23 points in any game since Week 9. And the total in this game at last check was 37 points. Uh, uh, so you're, you're getting Smith-Schuster coming back from an injury, catching balls from Duck Hodges. I don't know too many people, uh, Abib, that, that got to their championship games with Juju Smith-Schuster, but would you roll with him this week, or, or is it just too much to overcome when you talk about the total, the defense, and the fact that he's coming off an injury catching passes from Duck Hodges? Yeah, uh, I'm staying away. Uh... So I, you know, aside from, you know, these, you know, the high stakes, I'm in five other leagues and it's been a really good year. I'm in four uh, championships this weekend. Uh, and on one of the teams, I uh, actually picked up Juju off of waivers and have to decide between him and I believe Watson of Tampa Bay. 
and uh, you can probably guess who I'm going with. I just, you know, when it comes to injuries and the first game back, I've been burned so many times, and in this situation where there's so many different things, uh, you know, with respect to a third-string quarterback, uh, you know, likely a game script that's not going to involve a shootout, a team that's going to be mostly focused on the run that has a great defense. Uh, there's just too many negatives for me to, you know, trust him his first game back. I ran into the same situation with uh, T.Y. Hilton a couple of weeks back where he came back. You know, he's playing Houston. He normally torches uh, the Texans. And um, uh, we we saw a situation where he played, you know, half the snaps. If even that, he was not 100%. And I think, uh, you know, it's just not a situation where I want to trust a guy who's telling us he's not 100% and that knee is just not right, but he's going to try and give it a go. You know, if he does well, great, but, uh, you know, I'm going to kick myself if he uh, plays, you know, a quarter of the snaps and, and, and runs three routes the entire game. Well, and, and to me, and I think it's a slam dunk, you play Watson over Smith-Schuster, too. I mean, mm-hmm. you you being in Houston, you, you've seen the Texans secondary. It's, it's not exactly a group mm-hmm. full of Hall of Famers. And Jameis Winston, uh, you know, say what you will about him from an NFL standpoint. For, for fantasy-wise, he's been great the last couple of weeks, even with that injured thumb. Uh, and, and Watson is probably their number two receiver uh, in, a, in a game with a, a total of 51. So I, I think Watson is a nice little sneaky sleeper. Definitely playing him over Smith-Schuster. All right, let's try to unpack this Vikings running back situation because it's kind of a mess right now. Dalvin Cook says he's in a good place mentally, and uh, uh, he expects that he is going to be ready for the playoffs if uh, the Vikings make it there, which they should. But against the Packers this week and then next week against the Bears, he may sit out both those games, uh, and, and if he plays against the Bears in Week 17, it could be if they need that win to, to try to make the playoffs. And I think the Rams, um, it, it kind of depends what they do against the Niners on Saturday night. If they lose, I don't know if the Vikings clinch, but I, I think they all but clinch uh, a spot on the playoffs, and then maybe we don't see Dalvin Cook till the playoffs. But as far as Monday night goes, Cook did not practice today. Alexander Madison did not practice uh, today. What about Mike Boone? I don't know too many people – I mean, there are some people in the championship round with Mike Boone. Uh, is this a guy, because it's, it, it's kind of tricky, Abib. It's a Monday night game. So if you are going to play Boone, you're kind of rolling the dice because if, if uh, Amir Abdullah is announced as the starter or somehow Dalvin Cook is, you know, practices tomorrow and he's playing or something like that, then you're, you're, you're kind of out of luck with that because Boone might just be a bit player or a, a supporting cast guy. Do you think he is going to be the man on, on Monday Night Football, and is he worth the wait? Is he worth the risk? That's a good question. I think it depends on your roster, depends on you know, what you're you know, fighting for, uh, depends on your opponent roster, if it's just a head-to-head matchup. Uh, you know, I could see a lot of scenarios uh, playing out here. I think you know, the tendency of, uh, of us fantasy players is to sort of kind of wish for the best. You know, we see a running back, you know, third string running back who potentially has the opportunity. You know, we assume that he's going to produce numbers that are close to, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, the number one running back in that uh, system. And that's not always the case. And so there are a couple different things that I think are not necessarily red flags, but things that, you know, we got to consider. Uh, one is, you know, he didn't really receive. Uh, any targets, uh, if, if you know, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, and so, if you're playing in a PPR league, uh, I think that could potentially hurt you. Uh, another tendency is to sort of kind of take a player and then 
you know, just completely bash on them. You know, I saw, you know, saw it, you know, quite often uh, during the draft season with players like Carlos Hyde, uh, where we, they were just completely afterthought and we were told not to draft them and things like that. And so I can see that situation with Amir Abdullah. Uh, you know, he's not produced obviously very well since he's been in the NFL, but he's maintained a spot on that roster. And so at the very least, he could be their third down back, uh, and so that not only takes away carries, but, you know, maybe he breaks off, a, you know, a couple, you know, runs here or there, and maybe he works in the mix a little bit. And then uh, uh, the fullback, I'm blanking on his name, uh, F.C.J. Ham, uh, actually saw a number of different targets last, 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 uh, last week. So it could be a situation where, yes, he could go off. He could potentially, you know, get a, a number of red zone carries and score one or two uh, TDs, maybe have 70, 80 total yards. But what if he doesn't score a TD? Uh, you know, what if he it continues and he doesn't, you know, uh, catch any passes in the, uh, you know, out of the backfield? And so, you know, maybe looking at a situation where, yeah, he gets 18 touches, but maybe it's only, you know, 80 to 70 or 70 to 80 yards, so you get seven to eight points. So I think there's a lot of, you know, situations uh, to sort of kind of think about with that. But the upside is definitely there. Uh, I know in a couple of my uh, championship uh, leagues where I own Cook, uh, because I own Cook, uh, he will definitely be in the starting lineup uh, with the uh, with the uh, thought that if Cook does decide to play, I can plug him in, uh, and I have that sort of kind of uh, uh, leverage uh, or safety net. I don't know. This is another one too that that we'll talk about with Carryon Johnson. He's expected to return this weekend. We don't know if it's going to be limited snaps. We don't know how much he's going to play, if at all. But it's a meaningless game for Detroit as they take on Denver. Carry on Johnson, for anybody who kept him on their roster since he went on IR, uh, they were hoping to play him in Week 16. You can. I just really question how much volume and how much fantasy production there's going to be from Carry on Johnson, Abib. Agreed, agreed. Even when he was healthy, uh, they were, you know, sp- you know, splitting up backfield work. He didn't get. You know, he wasn't getting as many targets out of the backfield as we would hope. Uh, and when the coach comes out and says we're going to be careful, uh, I mean, you know, oftentimes coaches aren't really wanting to give us much information, but that to me is uh, very telling. Uh, so in this situation, I'm 100% uh, staying away. Uh, I can't think of too many situations where I'm plugging in carry on Johnson. Moving on to to, uh, to the Buccaneers, we talked a little bit about Justin Watson. Chris Godwin was officially ruled out for this uh, weekend's uh, game um, against the Texans. Brashad Perriman, uh, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but <laughs> is he a top-20 option this week? Because hey, this is a guy who washed out in Baltimore. Uh-oh. Then he scores the three touchdowns last week. You know, you already hey. talked about you're going to play Justin Watson over Juju Smith-Schuster, but Brashad Perriman is looking great. Uh, is a great start this weekend. I already said the total on the game is 51. Winston's been throwing it all over the field. I think Perriman, more often than not, should be in your starting lineups. And it's going to, like you said before, it's going to depend upon what, you know, your your lineup looks like. But if you need a flex, maybe you lost Dalvin Cook or somebody like that uh, this week and you're not going to be able to play him, Brashad Perriman looks like a really good flex, man. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Trust me, I wish I had <laughs> Perriman. I wish he was available instead of uh, Watson. Uh, but you're right. It's a tricky situation because we, you know, we have this guy that's been in the league for a number of years and has just failed to produce. Uh, and a lot of his production has just kind of come on these long bombs. And we, I think, look at the teams that he's faced, uh, especially last week against a, you know, just a, 
a very, very bad uh, Detroit uh, defense. Uh, you know, if he doesn't get one of those long bombs, you know, we're going to be in a situation. And, and I think this is just one of those tough situations that's very tough, but I'm in agreement. I think uh, I think you plug him in and you, you hope for the best. Uh, hopefully he gets the targets and the volume. You know, hopefully he's not just limited to running nine routes and deep routes. Uh, I saw a couple of plays where, you know, they target him around the line to scrimmage. So I think if he's, you know, running, uh, you know, if they're, if they're focused on trying to get him the ball as their true number one, uh, he's someone that could potentially win, you know, uh, win a lot of people, uh, you know, a championship. Abib, let's uh, let's move on to Carolina. This is one that's affecting me because I have a lot of DJ Moore this year. I have a little bit of Greg Olson, and and he practiced in full. Looks like he's going to be going, and I have uh, some some a good amount of Christian McCaffrey. Will Greer is now the the guy that's captaining the ship for for Carolina when they take on Indianapolis this weekend. Um, this move is it should have a ripple effect throughout the entire Carolina offense. How big of a ripple effect is this? Um, are you considering benching Greg Olson? Because I guess the way I look at it, you're playing McCaffrey no matter what. I think that's obvious. DJ Moore, I think mm-hmm. you still got to play no matter what the way he's been playing. I think it comes down to Curtis Samuel and Greg Olson. Did, does this make them more... I mean, it's, it certainly makes them more, excuse me, less likely to start them. But would you feel comfortable starting Curtis Samuel? And I should say that Curtis Samuel is officially listed questionable for this game as he was a midweek downgrade. So maybe he should be out of your lineup. But as far as him and Greg Olson, how much does this Will Greer announcement affect uh, your plans for your Carolina Panthers skill position players in championship week? Yeah, uh, to be honest, I don't I I've, I've been kind of looking forward to Greer, uh, to, to Greer taking over for uh, Allen. Allen's been really bad. I mean, really bad uh, of late. Uh, a lot of DJ Moore's uh, production has kind of come in garbage time, and I guess you can say that for a lot of uh, fantasy positions. Uh, but I, I honestly, I don't think it, it I don't think it changes much. Uh, you know, with regards to Curtis Samuel, uh, my plan was to always stay away from him. Uh, regardless, this week, uh, just because of the, uh, uh, the, you know, the potential, you know, the questionable tag and the potential injury, uh, Olsen's a tough one. Uh, you know, I think uh, there's always a thought that young QBs tend to, um, uh, you know, want to kind of home in on the uh, tight end as a safety blanket. Uh, so there's that to consider. Uh, the other thing to consider, though, too, is that uh, I think they really want to see what they have in Ian Thomas. So how much run uh, does Olsen get? How many uh, snaps does he see? Uh, it's going to be tough. Uh, but the big part, I think, you know, when it comes to CMC and DJ Moore, you start them. Um, you know, I think there's some talk that they're really trying to get CMC a thousand and a thousand uh, in terms of rushing and passing yards. So they may focus in on that. And I think also a hundred uh, receptions. So we may just see a lot of dump offs by uh, design, but but I like I like DJ Moore. I think uh, I think uh, uh, I think this uh, Greer push it downfield. From what I hear, he's uh, a little bit more aggressive uh, and more of a pocket passer. But uh, we'll see. You know, I don't know about you, but uh, I tend to see. You know, for a lot of these QBs, their first game, uh, they tend to show out a bit uh, and tend to produce until teams start to get tapes uh, and are able to kind of scheme against them. So maybe that's the situation here. A lot of unknowns, though. 
Well, and and you're right about the aggression too. And what do the Panthers have to lose at this point too? So I, I you put Will Greer exactly. in there if he throws a couple of picks, okay, who cares? But if he's pushing the ball down the field and he's making big plays, and this Carolina offense is really taking off, well, that that's that's how Will Greer potentially could be the, the starting quarterback for this team in 2020. We'll see. A long way to go before we get there. Uh, you mm-hmm. were just mentioning Olsen and Thomas. Let's keep the conversation on another pair of uh, tight end teammates, this one out in Los Angeles with Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby. Uh, Everett actually practiced in full both yesterday and today, and he's not on the injury report anymore, according to the Rams.com. And this affects Tyler Higby because, remember, this is the guy that the Rams locked up with the extension earlier this offseason, and now it's Everett coming back. We had some really good games this season already for the Rams, and people are like, why couldn't he come back in Week 17? Why does he have to come back now? Because I think this puts a dent in Tyler Higby's fantasy production, and I think people that were planning on starting him as maybe a, a low-end, like maybe a, a top 10, top 12 guy, they might be bumping him down a little bit more, and all of a sudden maybe they have a better option on their offense. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. I think it, I think it does hurt him uh, in terms of uh, you know potentially reduced snap counts, uh, as well as potentially reduced target share. Uh, you know, his sort of kind of emergence over the last few weeks has been really remarkable. Uh, a lot of things I think have gone and gone into that in terms of uh, McVay needing to uh, filling a need to to change his offensive scheme because they really weren't getting much production on the outside outside uh, zone runs defenses. Uh, had seemed to just figured them out. So they kind of, you know, uh, moved to, uh, you know, playing, you know, uh, Higby more, I guess, uh, I, you know, and instead of going uh, three and four wide receiver uh, sets. Uh, and, you know, in some games it's helped out, and last week uh, not so much. Uh, but a lot of the teams that they played recently, I think, have, you know, played more of the sort of kind of cover three where they've just basically let Higby sort of kind of roam free giving up the uh, underneath uh, underneath uh, 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 passes. Uh, and so, if I recall, I think uh, San Francisco uh, runs a similar defense. So it'll be interesting. So you still have that. But, uh, yeah, I think with Everett coming coming back, um, uh, it's going to hurt. Uh, so depends on what options you have, I guess, if you're going to start them or not. Yeah, if you own Higby, I think you got to take a second look at, at your other options at tight end this yeah. week because you might have a better one now all of a sudden on your roster. Yeah. I'll be Bagabatola, the, uh, the leader in the Football Guys Players Championship, joining me here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour this week. We have about roughly 10 minutes or so left in the show. Be, I want to get to uh, to some start-sit questions that we got emailed in this week from some, uh, from some listeners. I'm going to kick things off with Walt in uh, Jersey City, New Jersey. He says, I have a tough call in championship week. Which Brown do I start, John or Marquise? Thanks, guys. That is Walt in Jersey City, uh, New Jersey. So this week, uh, Marquise Brown for the Ravens is uh, actually on the road at Cleveland. And then you have John Brown, uh, who is actually on the road as well. He is in uh, Foxborough taking on the New England Patriots on Saturday afternoon. If he's got to play one of them, Abib, which one is it, John Brown or Marquise Brown for you? I lean Marquise Brown in this situation. Uh, just don't like John Brown's uh, matchup. Uh, he's playing one of the better corners in the NFL. Uh, I think I, I see it more as a Cole Beasley week than anything else, and Devin Singletary. Uh, so, so give me uh, Marquise Brown, and you hope that he uh, hope that he catches a 50-yard touchdown. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, the big play potential is is there for both of them, no question, but. 
for me, it's it's very difficult. I think Marquise Brown is much more likely to spring like a like you said like a 50-yard touchdown than John Brown yeah. is against um, uh, Stephon Gilmore and Josh Allen. I mean, I think the exception is probably last week. Although Cole Beasley didn't have a terrible week last week, but outside of that. I mean, Josh Allen's really had eyes for Cole Beasley over the last month of the season, and I think that you're right. I think Mm -hmm. it continues this week again, and uh, I would be playing Marquise Brown over John Brown there as well. Uh, Quarterback question here, I believe. Yeah, quarterback question from Kenny in Jonesboro, Arkansas. He writes, this is a good one, am I crazy to start Ryan Fitzpatrick over Aaron Rodgers this week? Ryan Fitzpatrick is taking on, I believe, the Bengals, if I'm remembering this correctly, Miami taking Mm -hmm. on – uh, the, yeah, they have the Bengals at home this week, and then Aaron Rodgers going on the road on Monday Night Football against the Vikings. So this is interesting. So he's not. I, first of all, I'll answer the easy part of the question. No, I don't think you're crazy. Now the question is: It be, mm-hmm. do, would you, with everything on the line in Week 16, are you playing Fitzpatrick <laughs> over the two-time MVP? <laughs> That's a, I, and I'm in complete agreement. I don't think you're crazy. Uh, Fitzpatrick has been uh, great. Uh, uh, this season, he's also added some rushing. Uh, they don't have much of a run game, so they're having to do a, a, a lot through the air. Cincinnati is not a scary matchup, although I will add in that I think that defense is better than people think, uh, particularly the secondary. And that team in general, you know, they're no longer sort of kind of in take, tank mode. They're in pride mode where they're playing a lot harder. The last thing as well is, I don't know, I keep hearing things about some storm, tropical storm that may be coming in. So that's just something to make sure we, you know, don't get too crazy about the weather. But if it's a, you know, if it's a tropical storm, uh, definitely something to consider. Uh, that being said, me personally, I'm not sitting Aaron Rodgers for Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I'm not someone who looks at, you know, who, you know, I'm completely, you know, against, uh, you know, going with name over, over production, but, uh, just something about that Minnesota Vikings defense, the, you know, their backfield I don't think is the same as uh, it's been in years past. I know, I know the history with Rodgers uh, uh, and the, uh, uh, the head coach uh, in, in Minnesota in terms of uh, his lack of production, but I feel like if they're going to – if if Green Bay is going to win, they're going to need to uh, uh, do it through the air. I think uh, – I don't think they're going to be able to run uh, like they – have been over the last few weeks. So, so give me Aaron Rodgers. Tough, tough question though. Full yeah, agreement. Full, full agreement there. It, it, it's it's difficult. Okay, but but for me, this is it's Rodgers for me, and here's why. Um, number one, the I I think that if you look at the Packers so far this season, they've they've been flip flopping weeks as far as how they've been winning and how they've been moving the ball. One week mm-hmm. it's Aaron Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Aaron Jones week. Then the next week it's Rodgers throwing it through the air. Mm-hmm. And I think this week is a Rodgers game. If you look at the, mm-hmm. Vi- it's weird because the Vikings have sunk so much draft assets into that secondary, into those corners with Mackenzie Alexander absolutely. and mm-hmm. Xavier Rhodes. But they're, but they're not. They don't perform. They have not been performing like first round picks. And I feel like if if there's a get right game for Alan Lazard or Marquez Valdez-Scantling or Geronimo Allison, this is it. I think Devontae Adams goes mm-hmm. crazy. I think Aaron Rodgers, his, his floor yeah. is probably like two touchdowns and 250 yards. I, I, and I think, quite Absolutely. frankly, he does better than that. So, and, and, I, and the other thing, too, and I don't know if you ever look at uh, your fantasy lineups, I would rather die with, with my best man uh, you know, playing quarterback rather than a guy who is hot or rather than a guy who had a good matchup. Like that's, I just feel more comfortable with that. So I'm going to play Rodgers I'm over Fitzpatrick. I'm in 100% agreement. You got a long off season to think about that decision you just made. Now, yeah, let me die 
Let my team die with Aaron Rodgers over Ryan Fitzpatrick. I am not mentally strong enough to play Fitzpatrick over Rodgers and then deal with the repercussions from that if it backfires in my face. I'm just not. Um, Josh yeah. in Gainesville, Florida. Let's go to him, Abib. He writes, hey, Balky and Abib, with Jacobs now out this week, I have an interesting conundrum. Do I play his backup in DeAndre Washington or do I roll with Raheem Mostert instead? Happy holidays. That is from Josh in Gainesville, Florida. Uh, DeAndre Washington, uh, you would think, is going to step in and get the lion's share of the touches for Oakland this week as they are on the road against the Chargers. Raheem Mostert is at home on primetime uh, football on Saturday night hosting the Rams. So if he has the decision there, obviously he can't play Jacobs anymore. Are you playing Washington or are you playing Mostert? I like the term uh, you would think, yes, because you know, we see – the problem is I think is we, we only have – one data point. We have one game uh, where Jacob is missed, and we saw DeAndre Washington uh, get a bulk of the carries and then also get very, very involved in the passing game. Uh, so my decision, uh, based off of just volume alone, would be DeAndre Washington. Uh, I've kind of already talked about Raheem Mostert uh, and sort of kind of a, a three-headed uh, back committee. Uh, if he doesn't get a touchdown, then it, it really, really kills you at least hopefully with DeAndre Washington, even if he doesn't score, hopefully, you know, he gets you 50 to 60 yards and, you know, and three to four receptions, maybe for 20 to 30 yards. Uh, the Chargers defense is getting healthy. Uh, I think they're a lot better than what they looked like uh, last week when your offense turns it over six plus times or however many times they turn it over. It's hard to look good, but that's the one, you know, negative. But give me the guy with the volume. Give me DeAndre Washington. Yeah, and you mentioned that too. And and normally I would say, well, the, the you know he's a his team is a seven and a half point underdog on the on the the road. You know, like why it's it's not going to work out for Washington to to be running the football. But the thing is, he catches so many passes, and for whatever reason, and I yep. still don't get it. When Josh Jacobs was in there, uh, he he was um, he he was getting uh, Jalen Richard was getting the third down work. Well, when exactly. Washington was in there, exactly. Washington was getting the third down work. So he's on yeah. the field the whole time. So And if they do have to catch up at the end, uh, there could be a lot of garbage dump-offs there for DeAndre Washington. So it's close for me. I mean, I could if you like Mostert, it, you know, by all means, play him. But if, if it was my team, it would be Washington, and, and that's who I would go with. Let's move on to a tight end uh, question here from uh, – let's see, who is this from here? This is from uh, Tony in Denver. How's it going, guys? I can only play one of these tight ends for all the marbles. Jared Cook or Mike Gesicki, who's the moneymaker? Thank you for the email, Tony in Denver. All right, so for reference's sake, uh, Mike Gesicki, we already mentioned that uh, uh, Bengals-Dolphins game. Gesicki is at home against the Bengals. Jared Cook is taking on, I believe, the Titans, if I'm remembering correctly. He is uh, taking on the, yes, uh, Jared Cook is at Tennessee this week. So which one would you rather play between Gesicki and Cook, Abib? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Cook. I mean, he has the uh, floor and the upside as we've seen. Uh, I like Gasicki. I like Gasicki quite a bit, especially this week going up against the uh, Bengals. I think he's a very athletic tight end. I think uh, he's going to be you know one of those sort of uh, uh, late draft sleepers for next year when it comes to tight ends. But in the championship round, and give me Cook, uh, better quarterback, uh, and uh, at least right now, I think a better player. I'm going to lean towards Cook uh, as well. You know, I was never a big fan of Gesicki coming into the, the pre-draft process. He's, after, he's proved me wrong a little bit because he's had some pretty good ball-out games. Um, but I also think that um, uh, Michael Thomas does not go as crazy as he did last week. 
Um, and, and Jared Cook could, could certainly be more involved in, in the passing game this week. So razor thin for me. I could, e- I could easily see starting Gasicki, but I'm going to roll with Cook here uh, as well. Final question of the night as we are up against it. Uh, this is from Sam in Pittsburgh. Through blood, sweat, and tears, I've been able to get into my championship game despite blowing my first-round pick on Le'Veon Bell. Do I bench him at flex this week in favor of Michael Gallup against that terrible Philly secondary? I love your show and listen every week. That is Sam in Pittsburgh. Obviously, a, uh, probably a former Steelers fan that just, or a current Steelers fan that could not quit Le'Veon Bell takes him in the first round uh, this year. So, if uh, you know, Bell has not lived up to expectations. Be, it has mm-hmm. he fallen so far that you would play Michael Gallup, who had a great matchup last week and just could not take advantage of it. Would you be playing Gallup or Le'Veon Bell this week? And for the listener's sake, I'll let everybody know, Le'Veon Bell is at home against the Steelers, potential revenge game, and then Michael Gallup is on the road at uh, Philadelphia, as uh, Sam pointed out in his email. Oh, this is such a hard question. Uh, with the, you know, A lot of this kind of comes down to Dak's health and his arm. Uh, you know, sounds like he's going to play, uh, but, you know, how much is he going to be able to throw? And that I don't think anyone knows. Uh, you know, that type of injury, I guess, is more related to, uh, you know, pain tolerance in terms of, you know, how much he's going to be able to push the ball. But I could easily see them leaning on Zeke uh, uh, and uh, sort of kind of moving away from uh, – uh, the high pass volume offense that they've kind of been uh, over the you know entire year. So as much as I do not like this matchup at all, uh, and I don't think that Bell has enough juice in the tank against this vaunted Steelers defense, even for the revenge narrative, I'm going to go Bell. You know, we just got to you know hopefully uh, you know I think right now he just has to sort of kind of uh, share the backfield with uh, Ty Montgomery. Uh, I believe Bilal Powell is out or at least questionable. So we got to, you know, that's, that'll kind of help you out a bit, but, uh, you know, hopefully he catches a couple of passes out of the backfield. This offense, the Jets offense, I mean, just see so few red zone, uh, you know, opportunities throughout each game. I think it's one of the lowest in the NFL. So, you know, him getting a touchdown is, you know, uh, you know, highly unlikely, but again, hopefully he, he produces, you know, enough uh, yards on the ground and, uh, if you're in a PPR, hopefully you can get four to five catches to, to get you a stable floor. But, yeah, give me a bell. I, I, I think the tiebreaker for me in, in these is always uh, volume, and it's always touches. And for Michael Gallup, who has had great flashes this week, the two things that stand out for me is why was he not successful? Why, was, why did he not even put up an average uh, game in week 15 in a plus matchup? Uh, and now his quarterback has an AC joint problem. I, I think those two things stick out. Whereas if the Jets are going to move the ball at all, it's going to be with Le'Veon Bell. Robbie Anderson is questionable, expected to play, but we'll see. Um, if they're going to move the ball at all, it's going to be through Le'Veon Bell. So I am going to go with Bell, and, and hopefully you can win a championship with Le'Veon Bell in your starting lineup. What a story <laughs> that would be after drafting him in the first round. That would be awesome. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Best of luck to you, Sam, in Pittsburgh. And best of luck to you, too, Abib. This, is, this was fun. This, this hour flew by. Yeah. Um, y- you were very entertaining, very informative. And uh, I, listen, man, I, I, I hope you have a great weekend with, with friends and family and, and football. I, I know it's going to be stressful at times. My only advice to you is uh, trust your gut and enjoy the moment. This is something that, uh, that you'll take with you for a while. And, and I, just, I just hope, you know, 
I hope the ball bounces your way and you end up cashing the six-figure grand prize. Yeah. But I just hope you, you enjoy the process and the journey uh, as much as you would the reward as well. Eric, thank you for having me. I mean, this is, uh, this is, this is great. Uh, <laughs> believe it or not, I was able to sort of kind of think through some of the uh, tough lineup decisions that I have. Uh, and, uh, yeah, like you said, hopefully, hopefully I'm able to come up on top. But, uh, yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Well, enjoy the holidays, dude. I certainly loved having you on. Best of luck to you this weekend. We'll talk again soon. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Thank you so much. Abib Agbatova, Ag, 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 uh, ladies and gentlemen, the leader in the 2019 Football Guys Players Championship, heading into Week 16. Uh, good stuff from him. What a show. What a, I, Hopefully we helped you out tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I know the Dizzle wasn't here to uh, tell me what an idiot I was uh, and, and are, uh, but hopefully you still enjoyed the show just the same, and hopefully you have the good um, uh, fantasy knowledge that you need to sit, uh, sit and start on those lineups and whatever players you're considering here as you try to bring home fantasy titles. I want to thank uh, B-Bag Batoba. I want to thank the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and, of course, each and every one of you uh, for listening here on this holiday weekend on uh, Friday, December 20th. Don't forget Aaron McGarian on that high-stakes lowdown, rotoviz.com slash podcast, Apple Podcast, Blue Wire Podcast Network. I can tell you this, the um, next episode of the HSLD will come out the day after Christmas. However, we are recording that show on Monday morning. Now, the interesting part about that is obviously we're, we're running into the, the holidays kind of putting a, a monkey wrench into the schedule. We're recording the HSLD on Monday morning. It won't be out until Thursday. Why is this interesting? Because the guest this week on the HSLD is the leader in the 2019 FFPC main event. Mike Pareka is going to be on the show, um, and he's going to kind of know where he stands in trying to win this half a million bucks um, with, I believe he's just going to have Aaron Jones going on Monday Night Football. So we're recording it on Monday morning because of our holiday schedules. Uh, it's going to be weird, and it's going to be fun, and it, it's going to be one of the more interesting podcasts I've ever recorded. That will be out on Boxing Day, the day after Christmas, Thursday morning, bright and early. Check that out, rotoviz.com slash podcast. That is going to be fun. Uh, I don't want to keep overselling it, but it's, it's going to be an interesting podcast. All right. The FFPC Playoff Challenge is live, as well as the Football Guys uh, uh, Playoff Challenge as well. MyFFPC.com is where you can sign up for those. $500,000 grand prize in the uh, FFPC playoff challenge. $100,000 grand prize in the football guys one. Only $35 to enter that. So make sure you're checking those out. Good luck with championship week, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in and hanging out with us all season long. We're not going anywhere. We'll be back with another show next this week. This has Your been another episode of the High Stakes now. Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. That was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. We're on a famous floor, even more so if we on tour. Me and E explore the country, wondering about the evening before. Trying to explain where the time went. Well, other rappers find a studio to grind in. Uh, by the way, special programming announcement. We will be doing a show uh, next week, obviously, as well. We don't take Fridays off here on the HS FF hour, unless I'm taking a Friday off. Then we do. <laughs> that won't happen this week. Um, and uh, no Dizzle again next week. So another special guest. Hopefully enjoyed Abib tonight. I know I did. Uh, seriously, I, I hope you bring home uh, fantasy titles this week. 
Enjoy the holiday weekend with friends, family. Uh, we really appreciate all the uh, support that you give this show, and we'll keep cranking out podcasts as long as you keep listening. Thanks so much. Good luck in your championship games. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 